Welcome back to the Living Ever Now podcast. My name is Will. And my name is Jake. Sorry, he's looking at the camera. He's looking at the camera. This yeah. is kind of fun. Anyways, yeah. Uh, my name is Will. His name is Jake. And today we are going to be talking about vision or long term vision or uh, kind of the sequel to the episode that I talked about last week, which was habits. Okay. And in that episode, uh, I talked about a framework where you have a super, super long term vision that is your ideal self. And you take that vision to yourself and you kind of work backwards into what are the things I should be doing today, right now, this week? What are the habits and systems and everything? Uh, So that episode was about the low-level systems. And this episode is going to be about um, how you can go about figuring out what your long-term vision should be for you. And it's going to be super individualized. uh, And this is something that I kind of have, I guess, option paralysis about because there's just so much you can do with your life and, you know, no one wants to waste their life. Yeah. Uh, so I think it helps sometimes to have frameworks or tools to guide you uh, and help you avoid some common mistakes. So that's what I want to talk about. Beautiful. So do you think, well, I, I'm assuming you came prepared with some um frameworks and tools to kind of plan out vision. But I I was just kind of curious more personally how you think about the relationship between systems and vision. And do you work from systems and then kind of figure out what your vision is because as, as sort of a wayfinder, or do you work backwards from figuring out what your vision is and then figuring out what the system you need in place to attain said vision? Because I work the second way. I work where I am have a vision and then how do I get there? Yeah, I think that's implicitly what most people do. Okay. Or that's what feels natural for me. Mm-hmm. It's just not always verbalized like that. I'm not always clear what that vision is. Okay. Maybe it's subconscious or something. Like I'll want something and not have consciously told myself that I want that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will maybe manifest as a habit I want to create which is pushing me towards there that I I might not have explicitly written down that I want this thing in my perfect self. But I think that the second way is right. Okay. All right, cool. I was just curious. So do you want to get into frameworks first or how did you want to approach it? Well, I guess, yeah, the the framework that I learned about is from a guy named Kyle Eschenroder and he has a essay called, What Do You Want to Want?, and oh, you sent that to me. Yeah. That's a really good one. It is. It's a really, really good essay. And I would highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in what we're about to talk about. But the premise is basically that deciding what you want your life to be is actually really hard because we kind of have two people inside of us. We have this this monkey brain and this human brain. And the monkey brain might want something and, you know, these are just metaphors of the monkey brain, the human brain. We only have one brain, <laughs> yeah. obviously. <laughs> but there's desires we have that might be kind of primal or not rational that we should tend to avoid in general. Uh, obviously, there's a balance there, but he takes this spectrum or dichotomy of, he calls it hedonism and eudaimonia. Eudaimonia is the Greek word for the good life. Right. It's a good word. Um, And he tries to 
use that model and from first principles uh, extrapolate what you should want to want or his advice for what you should want to want. And what are first principles, just so we're clear? First principles is kind of like without dogma or you you start at the most fundamental axioms or whatever and you work your way up. Of just any idea, right? Yeah. So Word. I guess the first principles of like a car would be understanding how an engine works. So if you understand a car from first principles, you understand combustion engines and you understand momentum. If you're doing what Kyle Eschenroder did and trying to understand uh, a long-term vision from first principles, you, you basically try to think about what makes a good vision, what makes a bad vision, what makes humans happy, what makes humans unhappy. Yeah. And how do you, from those first principles, build up a fulfilled life? Yeah, what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, cool. Did you did you happen to follow his line of thinking and do any work yourself? Yeah, I read the essay probably six or seven months ago. Um, and it has inspired a lot of previous episodes, honestly, uh, of, this, of this podcast. The, the fame episode kind of comes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few of the other ones about callousing like wanting a little bit of struggle in your life right kind of i think might have been sparked by some of his framework so it's a really really powerful framework again go read it if you have some time it's a good essay can we link it yeah we could probably link it okay (laughs) or you could google it we can do both (laughs) what do you want to want by kyle eschenroder all right cool so he has some or he has four i guess uh actions that lie along this hedonism uh, good life spectrum mm-hmm. maybe we should not say hedonism in good life because that's kind of hard to explain but. right well he's he's talking about like surface level hedonism right not like good yeah. hedonism yeah he's meaning like like base s- level desires like things that like stupid stuff i like guess we e- could just use the the spectrum of short-term gratification versus long-term gratification and this is something we can talk about all night i love this topic it's a good topic <laughs> Or I guess the the monkey brain versus the rational brain, kind of the same spectrum there. The the monkey brain wants something that's rewarding now. It wants ice cream and it wants, you know, stimulation, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. The rational brain is thinking as far into the future as possible. Right. And you're, you're trying to balance your life with, you know, I don't think an un-monkey brain life is the way to live your life necessarily. I do think having intentionality behind your mm-hmm. monkey brain is important though. And and that's where I sort of draw a line for myself is, is ice cream isn't bad, but uncontrollably consuming ice cream is bad. Mm-hmm. If I'm intentional about consuming ice cream because it's a cheat meal or something, or, or I'm having a birthday dinner with my family, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of going to be a theme through a lot of these that, the thing that lies on the short-term gratification scale, that that side of the scale, it's not necessarily bad or evil, but you're going to be more fulfilled in the long term if you focus on the long-term gratification. Right. I, I've been, I could come up with like 20 examples of how long-term gratification has beat short-term gratification time and time and time again. Yeah. Just It's just so much more rewarding. And I feel like honestly lasts longer. 
the fulfillment from a long-term gratification lasts longer than, much longer actually, than any short-term gratification. I guess it's something that you can be proud of. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really be proud of a short-term gratification thing because there was no effort to get that thing. Like a great relationship is tenfold rewarding to great sex one time. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. All right, so let's get into this framework a little bit. Um, This is in no way prescriptive. This is just one way that I've found useful to think about having a vision. Mm -hmm. But I guess pretty much every philosophy or religion is trying to answer this question like what makes what should you be aiming your life towards how do you define what your perfect self is and it's probably the most important question and it's the question that underpins all the other questions in your life like what habits should you have you kind of have to answer this first uh and it's really important it's really hard um so maybe this framework will help there's also like a lot of options like you're saying uh for example, I don't think about necessarily like I think I have a vision for who I want to be, for example, but I also focus more I focus on different things differently, I guess. And what I mean by that is I haven't I didn't sit down in one session and concoct every single thing that I want I see for myself in life in who I want to be all in one time. I thought about separately what kind of man do I want to be? And then I thought about what kind of what do I want to do with my life as a separate thing? What kind of days do I want to have as a separate thing? And all of these have formed this grander vision, but I just don't want to overwhelm people. At least in my case, I didn't do it all in one session. And mm-hmm. I still feel like I have a good head on my shoulders as far as vision is concerned. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like it can be broken down for sure. There's lots of different yeah. techniques and frameworks. And I don't think you can fully answer it in one sitting at all. It's so lo- It's so much. Just to imagine, like, we're so complex. I mean, we're simple in a lot of ways, but we're very complex creatures as well. Definitely. I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a point where you can fully have answered it. Because it's you're always going to be growing and evolving and right. changing what it is that you want to want. Yeah. Hopefully you're becoming more mature and more, I guess, more moral in what you want to want. I don't know if that's a thing, but you stop focusing as much on yourself. You focus more on other people and instead of selfishly trying to want things for you, you want things for other people or something. Yeah. It feels like as you get more mature, you have a more informed framework of what you want to want. That's interesting. Yeah, I yeah, probably. I hope so. I Hopefully you're not getting less mature. That's for sure. I think I, I feel a little interesting in this case just because I feel like I've wanted the same thing for a long time. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, uh, at least initially, why one of those things. Now I have, I, I, I think I've actually post hoc rationalized a lot of my life. Now I'm thinking about it. I should probably do this exercise. So go, <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Please proceed. Okay. So his, <laughs> his first quote unquote rule, I don't know if it's really a rule, but he advises you to want struggle over ease. So... He relates the idea of struggle or conflict or overcoming in your life to purpose and meaning. Uh, He kind of makes the argument that unless you work for it, unless you struggle for it, nothing you have in life means anything. Uh, Okay. And 
at the end of the day, if you work for something, you're going to be more fulfilled because of it That's rather than being given, given it. Yeah. So you should desire a life that is hard or in which you have to be disciplined. Or you have to work for things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, you shouldn't, I, I hate saying words like shouldn't, but in this framework, you shouldn't want things to be easy. You should want things to require effort, require discipline, require autonomy. I think that that's true for the most part, but I do think there's some caveats in sort of like the world we live in, right? You and I are in, we're, I, I don't want to say anything about our self-help slash productivity status, but we're interested in the world of those of that uh, sort of idea space, right? Like that we're invested in that space. We're invested in understanding how to be more productive and be better versions of ourselves, right? So things like Zapier or automations, like shortcuts on your phone, those do make things life much easier. And there's definitely a balance of having optimizations for the way you do things. You know, putting a hook in the kitchen to hang my key versus having it in like wherever I put it every time, if that makes sense. So there's, there's optimizations for life that definitely make things easier, but I do think intentional hardship and sort of hardship fabrication in this age are important things. And I don't think he's wrong, but I don't, I don't think it's bad necessarily either to optimize your life. I don't think so either. Okay. But I, just, I, I don't think that's what he's getting at. Okay. But I just think those things are a lot easier. And he just means from a like hedonic level? Um, kind of from a what you are pursuing level. Like the the things you're pursuing should require effort. And they should scare you to fail at them and that kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. Like you should be nervous or else it doesn't matter enough to you kind of thing? Yeah, you should have to try hard you yeah. should want to try hard okay all right fair enough yeah i mean the, i just did like the way i perceived it initially was you know life shouldn't be easy in some instances and i think that's right well like i just was saying that it can't like it is nice when it's easier in a lot of instances like you can do you can do more with your grind time when you optimize your mm -hmm. life and make it easier so maybe there's an assumption behind there that is not explicitly laid out, which is the effort that you put in, the, the struggle is being traded for something. So you're, you're trading that effort for some sort of results. Okay. Uh, if having a key on or a hook for your keys on the wall makes things easier, mm -hmm. that ease is good as long as you're not losing whatever you're trading when you do the hard work, if that makes sense. So it's it's not that you should be a masochist and just, you know, whip yourself all day and, right. you know, become homeless because being homeless is hard. Right. You should, like, use some common sense, I guess. Like, there's a trade-off when you work hard implicitly that if you work hard, you get the results that come with working hard. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This kind of leads into the next one of his rules, but I've been thinking recently about whether or not I would do well if I won the lottery. 
because I think there's a. <laughs> I remember you asking me that. There's an easy desire, kind of like a almost childlike desire, that I think I have, which is to want to win the lottery. Like really? I, I want, like of course everyone wants. I wouldn't say everyone, but of course, yeah, I want ten million dollars for nothing. I literally have like no desire. Like if you thought you could win the lottery, like if someone gave you the winning lottery ticket, you wouldn't turn it in. Well, if it had the lit winning lottery ticket, but yeah, I'd turn it in. But that's just common sense. Like I don't sit here. I've never thought like I really want to win the lottery. Never. Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> f- fair enough. <laughs> but your point. Sorry. Your point about you winning it. I don't think that that's a good thing to want. I don't think that you should want to win the lottery because because I, of the principle that you'd be given so much and not have earned it. I I just don't think that that money is going to make you happier. I don't it, think that your life is going to be better because you won the lottery. It's statistically at least from what we've learned from lottery winners, it's yeah. going to be worse. Yeah. Like when you win the lottery, or a lot of people, when they win the lottery, their lives crumble because yeah. their relationships become impossible because now they have all this status and money. Yeah, Their financial lives go to shit because they don't know how to manage $10 million. Mm-hmm. And they end up worse off than they were when they won the, before they won the lottery. Yeah, I think most people would not do well winning the lottery. I do think you would do well, though, just as your friend and telling you objectively. Like, I think you would handle it all right. Now... I would. I, I, I there's no way I could know that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This is just my fucking talking out my ass assumption based off of what I know about you. But I think you're pretty financially prudent. Other than that, I think it's interesting that it's public. It's interesting that people know that you won the lottery. Like all your friends and family would know that you won it, versus mm-hmm. you couldn't just take it in private. Well, you you can. I think you can. Well, a few years ago, I saw a headline of a dude accepted his lottery. Winnings wearing a mask so that no one in his family would know that he won the lottery. That's that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like that's the optimal way to win it. Just because, if as long as you're financially prudent, you can deal with that. The relationships is the hard part. Mm-hmm. The, the the people coming out of the woodwork calling you asking you for a favor is the weird part. You know? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so the, his his next principle is. Um, that you should desire a frugal heart is what he calls it over wealth. So the things that make you happy should be frugal desires or uh, autonomous desires. You you shouldn't require material stuff to make you happy. The best things in life are free. Right. There's there's a certain amount of money that makes a threshold. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you have. Let's just say you have your basic needs met. Let's let's assume that past that there's no amount of money that makes you happier. Mm-hmm. You know, all you know, happiness comes from presence and being loved and community and doing things you care about. Those all are, are free. Yeah, I, I think that that curve you're talking about is applicable to all of of these rules. Uh, that like basically you meet the threshold and then we can talk about yeah, this conversation. So, I think in the U.S. they've they've done this study and it's around seventy five k. Yeah, in most like cities. If you yeah. make twenty thousand dollars, making more money will make you happier statistically. Right. Up until 
about 75K. Right. And then after that, making more money will not make you more happy, will actually tend to make you less happy. Uh, Stanford's the one that did that study. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, I have no idea. But I think that 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 curve of when you don't have any of it, uh, an increase does a lot. But when you already have a baseline, uh, I think that curve applies to the first rule, which is wanting struggle over ease. Yeah. If your life is terrible, you mm-hmm. should want a little bit of ease. Yeah. But wanting ease only makes your life better up to a certain point. Yeah. And at that certain point, wanting more ease makes your life worse and you should want a little bit of struggle. Yeah, okay, yeah. Full Once you tra- have a baseline level. Yeah, full transparency. At the time of recording this, I make 55 or 50, I make 58 and a half a year and I did make 55 for like the last two years for more or less. I, before that, made like 20 and... I can tell you I was much happier <laughs> making 55 than 20 actually because I didn't have stress of bills. I didn't have stress of borrowing money from my parents and having to pay rent sometimes. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the stress of credit card debt. I didn't have the stress of like, you know, am I going to be able to uh, eat if I pay rent this month type shit? Mm-hmm. And or, or like I can't take my girlfriend out anywhere because I have to get on a train and a train costs money and it's only two seventy five, but I'm counting every cent because I only have twenty thousand dollars a year. And in New York, that's just you know, I had only one room, but that was a lot, man. Like making fifty five was world changing. Now, I will say that like after fifty five, I don't think I could be happier. Making mm-hmm. more money won't make me happier. Yeah. But money is an important tool that can be used that way if you think about it that way. But I did want to. I just wanted to relate to those people that maybe aren't at that threshold, because mm-hmm. it's very real. Yeah, and I think it's a really natural desire to not want to stop at that threshold. Like we want to win the lottery because we think that more money is better, but it's probably actually not. And recognizing what it is that I, that's actually going to make you fulfilled is probably pretty hard. It is for me. Right. Well, I think that Morgan Housel point, uh, psychology of money, moving the goalpost is really important. He, he talks about how with his wife at a certain point, they just agree that they were content with this amount of money. And they've since made like tenfold that or something to that avail. They made a lot more. But it all goes to savings and all goes to other things because they keep that lifestyle the same. They don't keep moving the uh, goalposts. They don't play the hedonic treadmill game. They got to a certain point and said, hey, we're really happy with this. First of all, they communicated about it, which I think is super important. And they said, we're really happy with this. Let's not move this goalpost anymore because most people do that. And then ultimately, it's like keeping up with with the, the Joneses. We're constantly like playing, you know, this social game that we have been raised primarily to do my car is better than yours. My house is better than yours. But what really matters here? Mm -hmm. You know, how are your relationships? How do you feel about yourself? Yeah. Do you love yourself? Do you spend time alone? Can you be alone? Like not everybody answers those questions with good answers. Yeah. And that's way more important than any amount of money. Mm Hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I, it, it's hard to think about this stuff, though, sometimes. Yeah. Um, in, in the What Do You Want to Want essay, he relates 
the frugal heart stuff to independence, which I thought was kind of cool, or autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, because the more you are relying on external stuff to make you happy, the less independent you are, the less free you are. So you you actually become more free if you're more frugal because there's fewer dependencies for which you need to be fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. And I appreciate your friendship because I think you've made me appreciate that more just in general. Mm-hmm. But it's very true. It's just like when you don't need the best car, what can anybody tell you, you know? Yeah, like I think being frugal's a super hack to not caring about what people think about you. And yeah. Like, like yeah. minimalism, if, if you're happy with not playing the material wealth game, mm-hmm. then that's a whole section of your life that you get back. Right. And, and you can really focus on what it is that you want. Right. And like for us, that's financial independence, right? Mm-hmm. And like we both are on the way to that yeah. because we don't play that game of look how, look how cool my pants are. Well, I play that game a little bit. But you have some pretty cool pants, so that works for you. <laughs> it makes sense for you to have cool pants. Um, but yeah, you get the picture. Like we're, I think, on the surface, it's hard to see because it's we're not concerned with other people's opinion about it. But it's it's hard to see because we're not like, I don't know. Like for me, flaunting your wealth is kind of a trigger to me that says like, maybe you don't have money, right? Um, or they have a lot of money. Like Floyd Mayweather has a ton of money and he okay. as well. Totally, totally true. But I would say like in layman terms, like for the most part, like when I see like particular rappers at the studio in the past come in and, you know, just throw money everywhere and like buy a bunch of bottles and all this stuff, it just seems like they left and that they, they might have benefited from like scooping it up off the floor. And like bringing all that money back with them instead of leaving it there. But it's like the culture can't take that. Like, you know, the pride's too high. They got to act the part. Right, right. It's like, like J. Cole just came out the album. He's like, why don't you talk about being a broke rapper? Because that's something I respect. That was me in 08. And, you know, he was just kind of talking about how he's fed up with the fact that all y'all are doing is lying. Like nobody, ha- no nobody makes it within rap until we're like at the top. You know? Yeah. Like now, J. Cole has money, but when he was in two thousand eight, like and t- at t- after St. John's, he's not he don't have any money. He's a college student. Yeah. And and nobody's talks like some people do talk about that, and that's the, they get the respect. That's the authenticity, right? But. Um, I think it's easy to try and play the part too. Like, okay. It's like a social pressure. But really we like the key is to just lean into being yourself, right? Mm. Like if you're poor, talk about being poor. That's fine. Just be, do you. Yeah. Well, do you think that in the music world, at least for you, it's necessary at some level to not be poor eventually? Or can you have a frugal heart and still, you know, do what you're trying to do. I feel like I can do what I'm trying to do because I care about the right things. Like money to me is just a tool to accentuate my ideas. Okay. Like it elongates the reach of them in my mind. Money is a tool that makes my ideas bigger. But 
if I can't execute an idea with no music or with no quality instruments and no quality sounds, then I'm not a good musician. So do you think that as part of your vision for what your best self is, being wealthy is a necessary part of it? No, no, it's not necessary at all. Like, I think I'm already, as far as that's concerned, I'm figured that out in my mind. Like, no amount of wealth will change the way I feel about myself or change the way I love people Mm -hmm. or change the way I view the world, I think. But I do think I'll probably see the world from the backseat of a Bentley instead of, like, no car. (laughs) So, And I think that's fine, too. But I think it's important to figure that out first. Yeah. Like, that... Like success comes before, or happiness comes before success. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think he's talking about it the other way around. Like, the money isn't going to change how you perceive the world, but it's going to change how the world perceives you, and that creates dependencies. You're, he makes the argument that you're less free. You have less freedom because the things that you have to interact with in the world kind of hold you back. Well, yeah, I guess like if you're Conor McGregor you kind of expected to show up in a Rolls Royce at this point, right? Like you kind of have to buy the Rolls Royce when you're in town to rent it, even if you don't. Do you? You kind of do, right? I don't know. Like I feel like you do just to maintain the image almost. Like I see what he's saying. Like he's he's he sort of has to keep up that picture or... Yeah, like he... I, I, I get what you... Like because he... Has already... playing the money game. Right. He, he lacks the freedom to almost choose what it is that makes him happy at this point. He ha- he has to have this specific form of success. Right. And so I think that's kind of a key component for me as long as I continue to do what I'm doing. It's just, I don't know. It's probably naive of me to assume that I even can make that decision. But I would, I would like to just make the decision myself based off of whatever. But I also don't think it's inherently bad to have nice things in life. And so... Yeah. But I, I, my my most important part of what he's talking about in my mind, I I hear him on the mm-hmm. uh, independence, but I think the most important about part about having the frugal heart is figuring out those things before you ever get to a point where. You know. If you hadn't figured out those things, you never will now, because it's mm-hmm. too complicated. Things have gotten way too big. Yeah. You know the the spotlight is on you too much Mm -hmm. you so so i'm i feel grateful to know these things going into a life that i pursue that's kind of grand Mm -hmm. i think i I can't speak for kyle eschenroder but he would say that there's nothing wrong with wealth inherently and wealth is a tool it's it doesn't necessarily contain good or evil inside of it but by focusing on that thing too much, you miss the point. Totally. And it's that money isn't going to change anything. It's not going to make you happier. And you shouldn't want wealth. You should want a frugal heart. And that doesn't necessarily come at the expense of wealth. You, If you have a frugal heart, that doesn't mean you can't be wealthy, but it means you shouldn't try to pursue that thing as an end in itself. You shouldn't try to be wealthy to be wealthy. Right. Yeah. And that's totally, just so we're clear, that's totally not my game. Like 
I want to perform in front of 20,000 people and put on the best show of their life. And that costs a million dollars to do. Like renting out Madison Square Gardens or paying the venue, like paying all the tour lighting, paying all the mixing, paying all the stage design, paying all the stage setup, paying the moving, you know, tour manager, dancers. I mean, not that I want dancers. Dancers, Yeah, the dancers are going to be really expensive. But like, think about it, you know. Pyrotechnics. Yeah, like, (laughs) of course. The blimp. Of course. Yeah, it's going to be really expensive. The roller coaster that goes through the crowd, like Travis Scott. No, but seriously, you know what I'm saying? Like, money is a tool that puts on that show, regardless of what I want it to or not. That is how that exchange works. And so that's, you know, my goals are that. I want to be that uh, performer. I want to entertain, I think, at the end of the day. And so, you know, wealth is sort of this, like, side afterthought. Same thing with fame, too, I think. Like, even though, like, it's kind of conflicting. It's kind of conflicting because I want to perform in front of a lot of people, but I never was like, I want to be famous. Like, I don't want to walk outside necessarily and see people, like, lining up and trying to take my picture like that's kind of makes gives me anxiety actually what i want to do is like have no one bother me and then show up to a stage and do twenty thousand people Mm -hmm. but that doesn't work like that you don't get to you don't get those trade-offs for free you know yeah so that's a great segue into his next principle which is you should want to do things instead of want to be someone perfect um so on his short-term fulfillment versus long-term fulfillment monkey brain versus rationality spectrum Mm -hmm. The, the monkey brain wants status. At some level, we're all people who evolved to live in societies where status is important. Right. Uh, and we all want people to think of us as worthy human beings. And from the monkey brain perspective, the more people that you have status over, the more people you have power over, the more people you have influence over, the better. The better mates you get, mm-hmm. you know, all these things from prime. Yeah. Uh, but the long-term fulfillment corollary to that is again it's tied to freedom the the more people who have eyes on you the less you can i guess maintain that power and fully be or fully have freedom over your actions right like like when you're ed sheeran you don't get to just go to starbucks anymore Mm -hmm. right yeah you don't get to do a lot of things right because there's a lot of people looking at you right sometimes that's good sometimes it's bad we Mm -hmm. had an entire episode about fame Mm -hmm. go listen to it if you're interested um i i think it's an interesting conversation uh just because i think it maps so nicely onto the psychology of a lot of people everything everybody i think at some level wants to be famous we all want status Mm -hmm. but very rarely, I think, does that actually make you happier. I think for a very few number of people, will fame actually make your life better? I don't think it will at all. Like, is that interesting coming from me? Because, like, I don't know what you perceive of how I think about it, but, like, I don't think I'll ever be happier than I am today. Actually. Like, I feel extremely content. And I hope I can keep this level of happiness forever you know like i'm at a mm-hmm. really high level and hopefully there's more but i i feel like the only thing that will give me more is knowing myself better so i think through meditation uh spirituality retreats or whatever just understanding who this is more that's the only thing i think left in my life as far as happiness to explore 
like I have fantastic friends. I have fantastic relationships. I've, I have fantastic care and love for myself. And that's extremely lucky to have at 22. Mm-hmm. You know, most people, I know people that are much older than me that are just figuring these things out and still don't, much, even much older than that and still haven't figured them out. And, you know, in presence, right? Like the, the keys to happiness are, are things that are way easier said than done, but they feel elusive to many. And I don't know why, um, but I, I just feel very grateful to have not had such an elusive track to these sort of basic happiness principles. That's why, yeah. like, dude, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing Living Every Now with you. This is why I think this work is important is because it feels like people don't know this information or, or at least are having trouble getting there. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, I want to share this information. Yeah. That goes back to doing stuff instead of wanting to be someone. Like, you can end up with doing the same exact action, but for a different reason and have that fulfill you in a completely different way. So if your attitude towards this podcast is you're wanting to do something, which is you're wanting to educate people versus wanting to be someone, like wanting to be a podcaster. Those are two completely different tracks. Right. Like, I, I think it's interesting that on some level, mm, the fame that might come with this endeavor or with Jacob's Blue might come at the expense of those things you have now, which are making you happy, those right. relationships, that presence, that groundedness. Right. So it's it, like it's a weird trade-off because I think at the end of the day, it's not going to make you better. It, it can only, not only, it, it's likely to make your, your happiness decrease because it comes in conflict with all of the things that are making you happy now well i don't think it has to but yeah i I do think it it, i do think it becomes harder to mm -hmm. maintain those things like you're saying it's likely to you have to work very very hard to um not fall victim to it right that's why i have these conversations with you so candidly now Mm -hmm. is like i'm trying to arm myself yeah. For when that happens. Because I feel like it's going to be like a fucking wave. And you, at some point, it's going to get out of control for for anybody on that track. Mm-hmm. Do you know the the Greek myth of Odysseus where he's like sailing? Like the Odyssey? Yeah, he's sailing back from the war or whatever, and they drive or they sail past the uh, the mermaids, the sirens or whatever. Uh-huh. And I'm all familiar with the sirens at least. So the legend of the sirens is that they sing a song. They sing so beautifully that it drives the sailors mad and they'll crash their ships and jump into the ocean just trying to hear the beautiful sound. Right. Um, And it's a metaphor for the monkey brain, the short term fulfillment in life. Yeah. Um, And before the story of Odysseus, no one had ever survived the siren songs. Um, but Odysseus basically tied himself to the mast of his ship and plugged the ears of all of his crewmates with yeah. wax. Because he them, wanted to hear it. He wanted to hear it. He wanted to yeah. taste the fame and the glory yeah. and the, the temptation uh, and not fall victim to it. Right. Um, and he succeeded. And he, but he's like crying to be let go yeah. from, the, from the ropes. And like his crew is like, what the fuck is going on with yeah. Odysseus? And <laughs> I think that's a really great... Um, metaphor for kind of the thing that you're trying to do in your life. You 
you understand the risk of hearing the siren song. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> and in order to be or not fall victim to it, you have to one be tied to a mast of a ship that's not crashing. And you have to be surrounded by people who will not untie you. Even if you ask them to, you have to be surrounded by people who won't take the wax out of their own ears to right. listen to the song. Right. So it, it's not impossible to hear the siren song, but you can't do it alone. Wow. Yeah. That's exactly how I think about it. I mean, I, that metaphor is, I mean, damning. It feels a little bit, but I mean, I think it's really spot on, but that's literally how I think about the people in my life. I think about the people in my life as like, like I, I'm cause I'm intentional about the people in my life. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be, that's no secret. Like, obviously I'm hoping I give to them as well. Like all my relationships, hopefully feel very mutual, but like the people in my life, at least what I'm looking for when I'm looking for a friend is somebody that has their head on straight so that like they will ch like all of my, like I say this all the time, but all of my friends will check me. All of them, mm -hmm. all of them will tell me when I'm being out of line mm -hmm. and they'll tell me when, Hey, your head is fucking huge right now. Like I want that. Yeah. Cause if you never drink the Kool-Aid, then when I'm faced with all this other shit, I might be okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. So it's not impossible. It's just really hard. And that's the, yeah. that's the truth with all of these, these actions. You can, you don't have to be, you know, a poor person living in a cabin, living a simple life, right. being a martyr. You talk about it all the time. Like you don't have to be a martyr. You can, you can do all these great things with your life. You just have to be intentional about it and you can't do it alone. No, you can't. I, I think that's really good advice. Okay. Honestly. And, and also if you're like, I don't want to pretend like I have everything figured out as far as like happiness. Like I, I kind of, I feel like I came across like, I really un understand happiness. I don't know everything, but I do really? <laughs> <laughs> about happiness. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think I'm like building up a character on this podcast. I need to be careful. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, I have to be careful because I do understand a lot just based off of my own feeling. I know I wake up and I'm just like fucking floored to be here and I'm so grateful. And I just want to say that like, if you, if you haven't figured out that, if you haven't even gotten to a place where you feel happy and you have these crazy dreams and you want to pursue great heights um, much like myself, like I want to, I just want to say that like those things are definitely something you have to figure out first. Mm -hmm. Those are very seriously. Yeah. Those things are paramount. Yeah. It's hard to do. Very hard to do. But if you listen to all our episodes, you'll be happier. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and that's a fact. <laughs> Give us all your money. All your problems will be solved. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we, hopefully we're doing a good job to help people at least figure that out. Mm -hmm. That's that's my vision for living every now is that we get to a place where we've put out information in a, lots of different ways that can hopefully help someone at least in one instance figure that out for themselves. Yeah. Or it's the it's the idea that lit the match that started the explosion of, of all these chain reactions in their life that yeah. are positive. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, uh, did you have any other, are you done with, uh, Kyle? 
there's one more. Um, this one's kind of hard to talk about. Okay. Uh, he gives the advice that you should prioritize being ordinary over being extraordinary, which is odd wording because he's not saying that you should be mediocre. He's okay. not saying that you should try to be average in the, that sense of the word ordinary. Uh-huh. Uh, he's taking a more psychological approach and relating it back to the ego. Like you don't need to be a special, um, unique individual in every aspect of your life. You can kind of release your ego and make it not about you. Like you don't have to be the one who's extraordinary. It's more about this, the change in the world, the success of the project, the success of whatever grander vision, um, whatever the thing is that you're a part of that's bigger than yourself, uh-huh. uh, the success of whatever you're surrendering to is more important than the the ego behind you succeeding or right. you being extraordinary. Right. So in, in the example of living every now, if we're on this mission to make you know, people be happier, healthier, more present, at the end of the day, in order for us to succeed, it can't be about us. Right. Like we're not, we don't have to be extraordinary to do that. Right. Like I think about this actually a lot because I just want to remind myself of it is despite how I feel about what I can do, I also feel like I'm not special and I don't think that we're special. And I, and I, I want, I don't, I don't want to pretend like we know it all either. And I think that that's an important piece of being able to communicate to other people. Mm-hmm. Cause if we acted special, which sometimes we do, I think, and we could be better about it sometimes, but I think at least genuinely we don't feel that way and we don't want to sound that way. Mm-hmm. And that's an important piece for even transferring these ideas is because we're still figuring it out. Like why would, I don't know. I just don't understand how we would even be special. Like I'm sort of um, not nihilistic, but that's what same sort of like mindset where it's like, no one's really special, but that kind of evens the playing field too. It's like, I'm better than no one, but no one's better than me is, is something my mom always told me. And that was really good advice because it made me treat others with love and kindness. And I was never better than somebody, but it also didn't allow me to get, you know, picked on or bullied. I stood up for myself because I didn't think I was less than, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like that's kind of the approach, like in, in of pursuing great heights in general is like, you don't have to be like Ariana Grande is not special. She just worked harder than you mm-hmm. and she did it longer than you. And she became really talented and got a lot of really good opportunities because of it. And she's capitalized on all of them, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not a special chain of events that put her there. It's it's very clear what put her there. And you can do it too, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, like, you don't have to be special to do those things. And I, I think not being special can be actually really positive information. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to mm-hmm. – like, I can see where somebody might take that negatively. Like, I'm not special. It's like – yeah, you're not. Well, it's, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's not about you. Right, like, yeah. I think the the core advice here is the thing that makes you happy shouldn't require you to be extraordinary. Like Totally. It, it should yeah, be about totally. something bigger than yourself. Totally. So that you can be an ordinary person contributing in an ordinary way to achieve this grander vision of the world. Yeah, I don't want to pretend like I'm in perfect alignment with that point, but I, I did think that's really true. Yeah, it's a hard advice to follow. All of this is really hard to, advice to follow because yeah. 
our brains are wired more towards the short-term fulfillment, the the monkey brain, the status, the power, the money. Yeah. Those things are appealing for a reason because they are powerful in the world, right. but they're not going to make you happy. They're not going to make you fulfilled. Do you think if there was like one most important lesson to even approach these with, because I have an idea for it, but I, I, I want to know what you might think. Like what's the most, like, cause I'll just start. Um, I think the most, maybe the most important thing is, uh, loving yourself and not really caring what others think. Okay. Like kind of separating yourself from what others think of you and working on what you think of you. And I feel like if you do that, you can approach all these pretty well. But I'm I'm trying to think about like what might be a limiting factor in even getting to approach these ideas. Um, anything that I think helps with long term fulfillment. Yeah, so like or, or like long grander vision, like the frugal heart. Like you have to not care what others think of you mm-hmm. to be able to not keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, you know, like you don't have to flex because you fucking know you're great. Like you, mm-hmm. yeah. I think a lot of this advice goes along the mm-hmm. lines of embracing simplicity mm-hmm. uh, or embracing a simple life, the simple pleasures. Uh, I think that that is more likely to make you fulfilled. If you're, if you're not worried about extravagance. Yeah. Live a simple life, a simple man. So do you have any other uh, tools to help you figure out your vision other than this essay? No, this essay is it. (laughs) There's plenty of other philosophies. Um, I know know. next week I'm going to talk about the gravestone technique. Yeah. um, Which is another tool for this. So it'll actually flow nicely into it. Well, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Did you did you use anything other personally other than this essay? Um, I'm still working on it. Well, Perfect Days is another one actually mm-hmm. for figuring out vision. But you kind of have to ask yourself at the end of the day, like why or what, why, and I, how. I think this is the the most fundamental. This is like before all those yeah. other tools because you have to know what it is you want before you can plan out how you get it. And this is what do you want to want? Yeah, it's like, yeah, for sure. Like, you might think you want, for example, lots of money, mm-hmm. lots of fame, lots of fortune. Yeah. Lots so of if like, that's the vision of yourself, like, right. then you can build steps to that. But is right. that really what you want? Right. And that's, I think that's a good point to even bring this up. So mm-hmm. actually, this is fucking perfect. For, it's per- Couldn't for, even be improved upon. For bringing gravestone technique <laughs> next week? Come on, man. Come on. It's nice. What do you um, want to want? What do you want to want? What do I want to want? These are really hard questions. Yeah. And I sometimes I get kind of paralysis by analysis yeah. when thinking about this stuff because I think I fixate on the fact that I only get to do this once. Mm-hmm. And if I want the wrong thing and regret that at the end of my life, I don't want to I don't want to do that. I don't want to care about the wrong stuff. I don't want to chase these uh, material wealth or these short-term fulfillments. I don't want to lose the opportunity to have my best life because I just didn't think it through enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been thinking the same thing for so long that I'm so in alignment with it that I just am sure. I feel sure, which kind of feels like a red flag. <laughs> like it feels like I should dig more uh, when we have these conversations. But yeah, I feel I feel really sure that I won't be upset with the path I'm pursuing. I'm proud of you. Thanks. (laughs)
I'm, I'm glad you figured it out. I'm not quite there yet. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is that I want to want on a less macro level. Like I agree with all of these things on right. a, on a super macro level, but what does that actually turn into? Like these are things to avoid, and right. they they narrow the the field of things I can want, but they still at the end of the day don't tell me what profession to be. And right. no one can tell me that, obviously, right. but it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. It takes a lot of thinking. Got to ask yourself a lot of questions. And that's the key to life as as a penis in the household. The happiness <laughs> in the household. That's right. <laughs> the key to happiness in the household is to keep cold brew in the fridge because then Jake will be happy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that, that wraps it up. All right, cool. That was, I, that was Kyle Eschenroder's framework. Thank you, Kyle, and, Kyle Eschenroder. Looking Thanks, at you. Thanks, Kyle. Um, yeah, seriously, dude. Thank you. That was a good essay. And uh, where oh, shit, can I do it? Yeah, go for it. Where can they find us online, Jake? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, they can find us on the internet. Uh, oh, yeah. com. You say that every time. That's why I had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> find us on the internet at liveinnevernow.com. Uh, add us to your favorite podcast listening listening app, uh, RSS feed on the first link site. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. We're using Twitter less, admittedly, but we will be using it more authentically. More authentically. More authentically. Uh, linked in the in the description is our Discord channel, which we'd love for you to join and talk to us about lots of different things. Uh, Will's working on a beautiful goal bot. It's, a beautiful goal bot. It's been awesome. And then also we've got a great fee- uh, creative feedback channel if you're working on anything and want some feedback from lots of different people that are already in there. Um, and specifically, we have a lot of really great music minds in there at the moment, but we're looking for all kinds of different creatives. Um, so join. Show us your work. Get feedback. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with somebody. That's how we can grow this episode. Or I mean, grow this podcast. And it helps a lot. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hello, leave us some feedback. Yeah. This is us. <laughs> this is us. <laughs> hello. Is that a sick? Is that a rom-com? I have no idea. This is us. Is yeah, that a movie? I feel like that's a rom-com movie. I'm not. A, I'm not up to date with my rom-coms, honestly. Me either. But it sounds like one, right? This is us. <laughs> um. Yeah. I can't believe we're on YouTube. That's so fun. And terrifying. Hey, mom. All right. Um. Anything else? No. Shout out Robin Limmer's editing this. Shout out. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>